I'd like to Tom, take the time now to um, give thanks and a shout out to Deliverance Temple for hosting our worship this past Sunday. We had a, a wonderful time. It was a enjoyable, worshipful time. It was also a very somber time as well. Um, Pastor Andre Mitchell was gracious enough to continue through the sermon series, and he spoke from Psalm 22. And uh, one of the things he preached about was um, obviously the verses that we've heard, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Um, Is my mic on or did it go out? Check, check. Okay, cool. Um, So one thing that I, I mean, we love being able to collect connect with deliverance. And one thing that Pastor Andre said during this time of preaching is that he loves being able to preach from a a real place, a a place of how he's doing in each season. And they've been going through an incredibly hard season right now. And so it was just within God's will to be able to preach from the heart uh, that way. And so we're thankful for Deliverance Temple for hosting us um, in such a hard season. So Um, If you haven't listened to that sermon, I'd highly encourage you to make sure to check that out. You can check that out. I got the link up there. Um, It's at um, delivetemp.org. And if you scroll down on the website page, you'll be able to find the sermon audio titled Forsaken. Um, But if you're visual and you want to see what the worship experience looked like, um, if you scroll down, you'll be able to find some of their video, too. And in the video, it's called Joint Service. And so... Again, check that out if you're interested in seeing how that worship experience went. Um, So like Andre, I got the privilege of picking up our sermon series in Psalm uh, 23. And the title of my sermon is The Good Shepherd. So one of my favorite things to do when I go on a lunch break is to spend, you know, uh, 30, 40 minutes watching some of my favorite anime. Now, um, At this point, y'all have heard me preach enough to know that there's going to be some kind of anime reference thrown in there. If you don't want to hear it, that's too bad. You're here. You're going to have to hear it. But I got you, okay? All right? And and maybe each week what I want to do is just hear someone say, hey, did that click for you or not? And if it didn't, that's okay. I'm not offended. But this is where it gets good, okay? So I've, I've been checking out this series called The Vinland Saga, okay? The series is a Japanese historical manga animated series, which obviously is very dramatized. (laughs) And it's about a a man by the name of Thorfinn who, by a series of events, decides to abandon his dark past of a violent Viking lifestyle to pursue a life of peace in this uncharted land called Vinland. That's where Vinland Saga comes from. A land that is free of war, a land that is free of weapons, plummeting, and slavery. And so there's a point in this series where uh, Thorfinn is sentenced to slavery, and so he does his time working on this farm, and he meets two of his closest friends. Um, Their names are Arnhein and Aner. And at this point, it's safe to probably say that no one plans on watching this, so it, un- unless <laughs> you do, okay? But I'm going to go ahead and spoil something um, to save you some time. All right, that spoiler is eventually his friend Arnhide is killed. And I'll leave it at that. But before she passes away, Thorfinn and Aner, they're eager 
to, to keep her alive, right? She's got these, these last moments where she's seeing the light, and they're trying to bring her back. Stick with us. They're doing CPR. They're trying to keep her alive. And while she may have been able to fight against death in her final moment, she expresses to her friends that she's actually ready to pass on into the afterlife. She, she has a husband and she has two children who are waiting for her. And for her, there's no reason to cling on to life because there's always going to be war. It's always going to be slavery, hatred, killing. What is there to live for? Why should I stay here? Both Thorfinn and Aner are silent at this point, remembering that even their lives are without peace. After Arnheid breathes her last breath, Thorfinn recalls a place that he heard his father describe long ago, Vinland. A place with plenty of livestock, plush fields, beautiful weather, an area beyond reach of war and slavery. And later at Arnheid's gravesite, Thorfinn tells Aner this, quote, when Arnheid drew her last breath, I couldn't answer her right away. I couldn't tell her why she had to live. What am I supposed to say to a soul that has been through hell and yearns for the peace of death? I want a world where I can tell people to live, one I can proudly describe to people whose only salvation is death, a place, where, a place more appealing than death. That's all we ever wanted in this world. We live in it, and I won't accept it. If a place like that doesn't exist, then I'll make one. And he looks to his brother, Aner, and he tells him, come with me. We'll, be, we'll build a peaceful land in Vinland, one we can proudly tell Arnheid about. And at this point, I even began to wonder myself about the world that, that I live in. With, you know, I'm starting to tear up at this point. Like, they, they paint, the, and this is the fascinating thing about anime, they just have a way of painting the scene so well with these flock of birds flying into the sky during the sunset with beautiful strings playing in the background. And so I'm, I'm thinking about the world I live in. I'm starting to cry during my lunch break. And, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I'm, I'm in a world where I may be fortunate enough to experience peace and, and provision uh, within, the, within my proximity, but there are folks around me who don't experience that, that same sense of, of peace. Right? I literally live down the street from uh, Bob and Stacy's soup kitchen, uh, BNF Ministries, and, and a block away, there are folks visiting um, this soup kitchen with not a whole lot of earthly possessions. And I have friends in these places who struggle to find peace because they're surrounded by constant oppression and seasons of despair. And they don't know what it means to experience a land of peace. But they, they may not, but do we? You know, that's the question, too. We may have some of these provisions, they don't, but do we truly know what peace is, and do we even experience that, even with what we have? We live in a world of grief and despair. Even when there are glimpses of hope, they, these, these glimpses are at times seized with the effects of sin in our world. Will we ever experience the land of peace? Where in life do we find our peace in this world is the question that I'm asking you guys. Who will lead us there? So we're going to read Psalm 23 together and dive right in. 
It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He, yeah, if you want to read along, you can. That's okay. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for the sake of his name. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a place, a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So remember that... um, Throughout this whole summer, Hunter has been teaching us a great way to approach the text when we read. And in order to tackle the mountain of the Psalms, we got to have the right tools with us. And the tool that we're using is the acronym SCALE. That stands for, if you're new to this series, the acronym SCALE stands for story, S for story. The Bible is this grand story, okay? And it's a grand story of redemption that we get to participate in. And so when we read the text, we're diving into the story together. C stands for Christ because every scripture is about Christ. A stands for affections. Where in this psalm or what is this psalm trying to do with my heart, my mind, my desires, and my affections that I feel? L stands for love to love God and to love your neighbor like yourself, to love God with all your heart, your soul, your strength. And E stands for exaltation, which is to worship God through prayer, petition, and praise through our songs. And we worship him for who he is. And so my goal today is simply to go through this scale formula as if we're, you know, diving into this Bible study and show you guys that Psalm 23 shows us our guide to a land of peace. We'll see it put plainly through the text, but what does this mean for us as the sheep of this story? So, let's start with S. What's the story here? It begins with, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Every sheep that belongs to a shepherd ought to be led towards the things that a sheep obviously needs. A place where they can be nurtured, a place where they can start to nurture their offspring, a place where they can start to stretch their legs and move around, a place where they can rest easy without having to turn their shoulders and to look for danger, a place where there's plenty to eat to fill their bellies without concern of scarcity. And as a shepherd, David knows what it means to take care of sheep. He's got prior experience. He spent so much of his time in this position as a kid before he even became a king. And over time, the shepherd becomes known by the sheep because the sheep learn who the shepherd is. Being led by a good shepherd means being led towards the good things that they need. The sheep say that this man's going to take me to a good place because I've seen him do it before. He'll do it again and he'll do it again. And I'm willing to follow. He'll do it again. He's got me this far. And it's fair to say that some sheep, even though you got those who are willing to follow, some will, will start to wander. It might have been those sheep who started following and, and start to wander a little bit. 
because they, they decide, hey, you know, like, we're going this way. I think I might see something that way over there that looks a little good. I'm a little parched from this, this hike. I'm going to go off a little bit, take a drink away from the flock. Maybe when they're moving from one pasture to another, they decide to go their own way because they think something else is better. They've been walking for a long time. The sheep need a break. And some sheep put themselves in danger. They get distracted. They wander from the path. And this is dangerous because they expose themselves to the dinner table of the prey. They expose themselves to other fierce creatures, not realizing that they're the ones on the menu. And so some sheep put themselves in danger. And there are a lot that say, if I know my shepherd will take care of me, then maybe I shouldn't want what's over there. So you can get distracted, little sheep, or you can trust that what you want might not be good for you because the shepherd is leading you towards the things that you need. I only want what's here, what my shepherd is taking me to. Christians, just like David, we are these sheep that are cared for by God. Pay attention to how the Lord, our king, is portrayed by David. He, he ain't described as a king in this text or a lord or a ruler who is distant from his subjects. But a shepherd lives with their flock. A shepherd tends to his flock and watches over his flock. A shepherd is a guide, a physician. He's also a protector of his sheep. This is who the Lord is to us. Though God is king, the text shows us he's also protector of us. David says, I shall not want. Why would he say that? Well, because God gives him what he needs and what he truly longs for. There's no ruler that we need to seek or trust each other um, to trust. There's no other shepherd to trust other than the shepherd that has presented himself. So who else is qualified to protect the sheep other than the shepherd here? Not even a king understands how to take care of sheep. They may have subjects who do that, but they don't fully understand the same way that a shepherd does. And nobody understands humanity better than God himself. We are under his care. We are his sheep. He leads and he guides us, and he does so because he cares about us. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for the sake of his name. For the sake of the Lord's name. He makes me lie down and leads are these words of action. Involving the Lord's guidance for his people by giving direction in our lives. Being led by God shows that he's thinking about what we need. Not just, mm, here, all right, take this, right, fine. Get out, my, get out of my way, okay? Let's take this. I know you need it. Get out of my hair. He doesn't do so with that kind of heart. God wouldn't have decided to take on the responsibility to care for us if he didn't want us. Looking at passages like this make me feel like, oh, maybe I can relate, right? Because I got a child on the way. I've never been a father to anybody. 
And yet, I'm in this season now where the responsibility of caring for a baby boy is one that I'm like, I can't take lightly. (laughs) Because the way I raised him will have a huge effect on his well-being. Ultimately, this kid belongs to God, but God has given me the chance to take care of this kid. He's not only giving me that chance, he's giving my wife that chance to guide him into the green pastures and quiet waters. To live, to laugh, to love in light of who God is. And just these past weeks have been a, a test of patience because we at the point where we like, we just, we just want to meet you. We want to see what you look like. We want to see who you are. We want to see how you act. We want to hear the way you cry. We want to see the way you move. We want to see the things you laugh at. We want to see your eyes when they open for the very first time. All of these things we're just so excited for. To bring him into the world and show him the beauty that the world offers But also as a parent, I feel the anxiousness of making sure I'm on top of my game. You know what I mean? Like, okay, like I need to be reading the Bible more because like I got to be teaching him about this. Right. I got to. So that all just starts to like really kick in the moment this kid's coming to teach him right from wrong, to lead him towards righteousness. And so it gets a bit overwhelming, I would imagine, as he gets older as he's able to think on his own. And I get scared of the idea of making a mistake or misguiding him in any kind of way. Pray for me. (laughs) But ultimately, I look forward to pointing his gaze to God as he gets older. A joyous responsibility. The same way that God finds joy in leading us towards the pastures and still waters. He delights in leading us towards a place of peace. David uses imagery like full pastures and quiet waters to bring about this this sense of peace. These are peaceful things to to take part in. And in verse 3, we see that he's the one that restores the soul and points us to righteousness. In Ezekiel 34, 11 through 16, God is seeking and caring for his sheep and leading them to the rich pastures. And there it says... I put 10 in there, but um, yeah, let's go to 11. For thus says the Lord God, behold, I myself will search for my sheep and I will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep. I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out of the people and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines and in the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. And I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat, and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. God is leading us towards something amazing. God is leading us towards the path of righteousness. And that's important for us as sheep because we can't lead ourselves into that land. The shepherd is necessary to do that. 
even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The shadow of death can be a very terrifying thing. And so I, I, I read some commentary on the shadow of death and what, what, what some of that commentary is saying, and then I'm going to just roll with it here, is that this death could be a, a likeness of death. That's where the shadow comes from. A likeness of death, but not death itself. Although that is a thing that we can tend to be fearful of. So I think it's fair to apply that in this, this context here. And so what could the likeness of death represent? It could be challenging circumstances. It could be dark seasons within our lives and so forth. So it may not be a literal walk towards death, but it might be hardships in life. And if that's the case, we can consider the shadow of death as something that might still frighten us, but can never quite hurt us. After reading Spurgeon's Treasury of David, I found a subquote from Spurgeon, and that quote was... <laughs> It even says in the commentary that he got a quote from some guy. Like, it doesn't say who it is. <laughs> and so he just heard this from somebody, okay? Little Johnny down the block, Johnny and Spurgeon chilling. And Johnny told him that where there is a shadow, there must be light somewhere. Where there's a shadow, there must be light somewhere. This is the shadow of death. And in it, we must be willing to find out where the light is inside that death. Now, if you know who quoted that, let me know. I can also add that the shadow itself won't be the thing that that quite hurts you. Maybe it'll immobilize you for a moment. By finding the light, it will help you move forward and past that. The shadow of a shark bite can't bite you. Shadow of a fire can't burn you. Shadow of a gun can't shoot you. Shadow of a fist can't punch you. Shadow of death won't kill you. We can't let what's not real actually hurt us. There is nothing to fear because the Lord is prepared for the threat. He's got his staff and he's got his rod with him. And by the last two verses, we see that goodness and mercy will stick with David as he remains in the house of the Lord. A table prepared by the Lord is not quick visit it from a guest. It's not a, hey, I'm here to dip in and dip out. I was literally at a barbecue yesterday where they have a rule where you can't go to the barbecue and just say, hey, I'm going to fix a plate and then I'm out. Or, hey, I'm here, uh, you know, my, my auntie, she, she says she wants a plate and I got to go drop that off. They're like, no. If she wants a plate, she needs to be here. <laughs> she can't have no plate and then just dip out. You can't deliver her a plate, right? which is a really beautiful rule because you miss out on everything else that's there. You miss out on the community, the experience, the love and affection from people. And so the Lord's table, in a greater and similar way, is made for a family member that is welcome to stay and remain there and should remain there because there's more to eat. An extended stay is given to us. We live with the Lord forever, because he has graciously prepared this space for us, Christian. Let's move on to C, which stands for Christ. This psalm does a beautiful job of sharing plenty of parallels. We see God as the shepherd. We see David 
as a sheep being led by God, he's finding his comfort, not in anything else. And he's seeking the will of God. He knows that, that God has a, a, a healthy diet for him in this space. And so he's seeking that out. He's walking with the Lord. He's being led by him. We see David as a shepherd, right? He's tasked by God to guide and direct others. He has, he has quite this literal experience of being a shepherd, but he's also a king. And so he has been put in this place to lead and guide his people in his life. The experience of shepherding sheep is a way that God uses him as a king. In Ezekiel 34, 22 through 24, it says, I will rescue my flock and they shall no longer be a prey. And I will judge them between sheep and sheep. And I will set out, set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their king, will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. David is a king who is servant to God. God has charged David to feed his people by doing this quiet thing. Not just leading them as a king, but leading them as a shepherd. Feeding them. Feeding them what? He's, he's consistently feeding them the truth of who God is. The people should never forget who they belong to. And often, it's not just the Israelites, but it's often us that's forgetful of what God is capable of. David doesn't want his people to stray away. But here's the important thing about this passage in Ezekiel. Uh, Ezekiel is not simply talking about King David. He's a prophet referring to the coming of a David-like figure who can truly feed and care for his people. King David cared for his people, but King David also failed his people. The David figure who is prince among people and shepherd is King Jesus, who is heavily anticipated by Israel. They're waiting for the Messiah. They're waiting to be led by a new king who presents himself as a shepherd. A shepherd who can guide them out of despair, anguish. Jesus is this good shepherd. This is where she and Christ comes from. And I mentioned earlier, there's no way that as sheep we can lead ourselves to green pastures because that is meant for Jesus to do for our lives. He's a good shepherd. We can trust that he will guide us to good things. Otherwise, we'll be consumed by the wilderness. She get distracted. We get distracted. This is where affection comes in. What do our hearts become so distracted with that keeps us from following a shepherd? Where do we try to find our own pastures and still waters in life? Where does my heart head towards that keeps me from following this good shepherd into a restful place? Our rebellion against God doesn't always mean that we're this vengeful wolf with, you know, teeth sticking out in sheep's clothing, right? We have this, this image of what that looks like, and it doesn't always present it that way, but sometimes we're led to believe an actual wolf in sheep's clothing, the deception that comes from Satan, the deception that comes from how we corrupt 
things, how we corrupt good things. And so cycling back to the sheep being distracted by something away from the shepherd, that distraction can sometimes be deception from somewhere else. Could it be that we feel like we'll find comfort in life if we become wealthier with the hopes of financial stability, rather than leaning on the understanding that the good shepherd is more gracious and stable than the dollars in our own bank? Could it be that we find our work ethic is the only thing that convinces us that we have worth, rather than resting in the pastures and still waters provided by the good shepherd? Could it be that our desire for connection and intimacy leads us into the wrong friendships or relationships that disconnect us from our good shepherd without considering the heartfelt connection that comes from him and his people? Could it be that comfort and solace keeps us from entering the valley of the shadow of death when we know that we actually need to go through it? Jesus is us, is with us in every season and wants to pull us away from every dull horizon so that we can actually find our true pasture in still waters. That is simply by knowing that we are loved and saved by the good shepherd. I've said that so many times already, but I needed to stick. He is a good shepherd to each and every one of us. That is simply knowing that we are loved and saved by him. Maybe Satan or someone who isn't bringing truth has gotten us walking away from the good shepherd. But in Psalm 95, 7 through 8, this passage says, For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. As at Meribah, as on the day in Massa in the wilderness. We ought to feel the good weight of his truth. Rest and enjoy what it means to truly know him and to know that he, in scale, loves us. That's where the L comes from. The Lord loves us. Not only that, but Jesus is our living word who loves us more than we could ever imagine. Here's where truth changes our hearts. I imagine that there are times when it's hard to trust God being a good shepherd because we don't always feel like he loves us. There are seasons where we really don't feel that. But it never stops him from loving you. If you still want to be in this flock, then trust that he says who he is and know that what he has accomplished for you on his cross is enough for you to know that you are truly loved. This man laid his life down. <laughs> Let that love be the reason that you also love others well, that you also present truth, that you also bring justice in your community, that you also demonstrate mercy even when it seems like a situation where someone doesn't deserve it because we don't deserve it either. And finally, to wrap this up, E for exaltation. And so I have no fancy way of stretching this out other than doing what Hunter has encouraged us to do at the, each, at the end of each sermon. And that's to end it by reading the psalm that we're going through. And so... We're going to take this time to exalt the Lord through his word. 
We're going to sing praises to our King when Bridget leads us through worship. And we will pray that the Spirit of God works in our hearts to keep us in the house of the Lord forever and ever. So let's stand together and read Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Bow your heads and pray with me. Lord, thank you that because of your son, we get to dwell in your house forever and ever, that we get to be in a place of peace, that there will one day be a day where even when death actually comes, not the shadow of death, but death itself comes for us, that as believers, we can know that passing through death means an eternity with you because you conquered death, Jesus and you've brought eternity to us, not from anything that we, we've ever done or could ever achieve, but just faith in you, Lord. And um, that truth is, is what we get to hang our hat on. It's what we get to work towards. We get to follow you towards that place, Lord. And so I pray that our actions, our, the way we treat people here and now, and the way that we share your truth and your gospel would be ways that honor you, Lord, and would even bring a, a slice of, of the green pastures and still waters here in this life. Uh, Lord, if there's someone here who, who, who's hearing this for the first time or who's been wondering about this, thinking more about this, uh, I pray that you would do the convincing, not me. I'm not here to, to uh, let my word be ultimate, but to let your word be ultimate, Lord. And so change our hearts, guide us to you, Lord. Bring lost sheep in your direction. And Lord, we pray that you would also, that you would also run towards the sheep who are going astray and bring them back to you. See your name we pray, amen.